Father in heaven, to sing of your worthiness, your holiness, to sing of your goodness and your love and that love that has been displayed on a criminal's cross. The King of kings and Lord of lords dies the death of the dregs of society while drinking the full cup of your wrath. It's good to remind ourselves of this. Yes, it is good. And one day you'll make it all things new. And so I thank you for the sound of voices tonight singing those truths that we've sung. May you bless us as we look into the truth of your word. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Hey, if you got a Bible, let's go to the book of Philippians. We're going to pick up right where we left off last night, Philippians chapter 3, continuing in that same chapter. Keeping in mind along with Paul that you and I are unfinished. Many of you have probably committed to memory, Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. By way of reminders, we already talked about this morning that when you came to know Christ, you became, God began his work in you of forgiving your sins, giving you his righteousness, giving you eternal life, and one day that salvation will be completed when you stand before Christ. But in the meantime, we are all ready, but not yet. We are still a work in progress. And so tonight I want to talk to us about if we truly believe that my relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life, then how do I grow into maturity or maturity? My kids always correct me and say, Dad, it's not maturity, it's maturity. Whichever one you think it is, that's what we're talking about tonight, okay? How do I actually grow up in my faith and in my relationship with Christ in the in-between, knowing that God is not finished with me yet? And that's exactly what Paul says maturity is. He says, let all those who are mature think this way, that you have not arrived, that you are not yet perfect, and knowing that, but still yet growing in Christ, is being and living in a mature way. It's not about your age. It's not about where you live. It's all about your mindset and growth in Christ is what brings maturity in him. A sixth grader can be more mature than a 12th grader. A 12th grader can be just as mature as a sixth grader and everything in between. And so as you're thinking about this, you're sitting there wondering, maybe you're thinking about this. I've had several of you ask me for pray for my daughter. I appreciate that as she wrestles through these thoughts and we have open conversations about these things. The question comes up, but why? Why would I give my life to such a thing? Why not do what I want to do? Well, I think the answer comes for us in verse 12 of chapter 3. This is what Paul says. Look at it with me. Chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. There's Paul acknowledging again. He hasn't attained it yet. He's not yet perfect. I press on to make it my own. Here's why. Because Christ has made me his own. Oh, man. There's your reason right there. Why would I give my life to this? Why would I see this as the most important thing in my life? Because Christ has made you his own. 
So you're not doing it to gain acceptance, to gain a relationship with Christ, but because the price of his own life, he has bought you with a price and made you his own. Paul says, because of that, it is my joy and my privilege now to grow up in him. He's saying, I get to do that. That's my joy and why I'm here. That's why I press on. This is what I desire to do. And listen, a sign that you know Christ, that you truly have come into a saving relationship with him is that you desire to grow. If you're saying, well, I've got heaven, I'm good, then you obviously haven't comprehended the full weight of the gospel because not perfectly, but there will be a desire where Christ comes into your life and starts to change you fundamentally where you desire to grow in Jesus. So if you desire that, let's look at the Apostle Paul as what does that look like on a daily basis? Look at verse 13 of the same chapter. He says, brothers, I, do not, I want, do not consider that I have made it my own. There he is again. He's telling us, I know I'm not perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, everybody say straining, forward to what lies ahead. So here's the first way of, of maturity here. Are you ready? Living in the present. Living in the present. That's your first blank. You grow up or you mature in Christ by living in the present. It's very easy to live our lives in the past, isn't it? And to even let our past define us. My past experiences, the things that people have said about me, those things are going to define me. My past failures will define me. But Paul says, that's not what defines us. We keep moving forward. Now, I gotta tell you, there's a lot of things that I would like to forget in my life. Are you with me on that? One of them is this one here. Take a look at this. I would love to forget this. This is my senior year of high school. I thought I was the coolest guy ever in a Hurley sweatshirt. I did not know how to skateboard, but I thought if I could wear the marks of a skater that people would think I was, but I was a huge poser. This other one here, this is when I was a young youth pastor. It was at the height of Justin Bieber's reign, and I thought that my hair should look like his. And that's something that I wish that I could forget, all right? Uh, this, uh, I think, do I have, but here, here, another thing that this happened, you can take that one down now because it's very disturbing with that hair and that soul patch. My goodness, what was I thinking? But you know, just recently something happened to me that I would love to forget. Have you ever, anybody ever done Facebook Marketplace before? Where you look on there and you see stuff that people are selling? I saw a lawnmower for sale the other day. And the guy said, I'm not home. I'm going to leave my red lawnmower in the driveway and here's my address. Well, I drove out to his house in Urbandale from my house in Des Moines, and there it was on the street that he said, the red lawnmower. And so I got out of the van and loaded it up in the back and drove away. As I was driving home, the guy texts me and says, hey, are you going to come get this lawnmower? I said, yeah, dude, I already got it. He's like, no, I see my red lawnmower out in the driveway still. And I look back and said, no, I got a red lawnmower in my car. It's like, it's not my red lawnmower. And I realized in that moment just how easy it was to steal a lawnmower <laughs> with all the neighbors watching and no one said a thing. And so I had to turn around, drive back, and another three houses down was the red lawnmower that I was supposed to get. And I had to get out. This guy's playing football with his son. And I said, hey, man, I stole your lawnmower. And he's like, I thought somebody said that they saw someone taking it. And so I had to apologize. It was really weird. And I never used Facebook Marketplace ever again because I was so embarrassed at what had happened. No, I didn't do that. 
I, it was stupid. I should have double-checked the address. Yes. Have I stolen before? And I would say, yes, I have. Unintentionally, right? How many can say that? But forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what, to what lies ahead. Now, in a serious ways, there are some things that I would love to forget about. Things that have been said about me. Things that I have said to others. Things that I have done things that I have said in anger, things that I have looked at, it would be very easy for me to live and dwell on those things and think God could never use me. I can never actually grow in Christ. And as I say those things now, there's probably things popping up in your mind and in your heart that you're like, yeah. Hurts, struggles, things that you've been through, things that you've done, things that have been done to you. Constantly, the past in kind of a weird way when I dwell on those things makes me feel a little bit better sometimes in a strange way. Feeling sorry for myself and I think, yeah, you know what? You've had it hard, Brad, and make excuses for the things that have happened to me. But when I focus in and when you focus in on your past and what's happened to you and what you've done, it keeps you from being ineffective in the present. Did you hear that? When you live in the past, it keeps you from being ineffective in the present. Now, Paul had a lot of things that he could have dwelt on before he came to know Christ, right? He watched everybody's coats when they stoned Stephen. He persecuted the church of God, and he could have gone, God could never use me. There's no way that I could have ever be used by God. But he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Any sports fans out there? Couple of you, awesome. Paul, you would have liked the Apostle Paul because he's a huge sports fan and uses sports analogies, uses this race analogy of running in a race. Paul is saying that I strain forward like the, you see the finish line in front of you and every muscle of that runner is bulging out as they sprint forward and they lean towards the finish line. I'm not looking back. I'm straining forward to the to prize that is before me and that's Christ Jesus. Listen, you need to treat the past like a rearview mirror in the car. Is the rearview mirror helpful in the car? Yeah, you bet it is. But you check it and then you keep looking forward, right? But if you're only looking in the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? You're going to crash. You're going to be messed up and you're not, you're, you're not going to be able to drive anymore. So treat it like the rearview mirror where you learn from it, you know it's there, but you keep moving forward. Your eyes aren't fixated on that anymore. So maturity is realizing that you're unfinished and that you need to live in the present reality that God has for you at this time. Secondly is this, you need to discipline yourself to pursue Jesus with all you have. You discipline yourself, you grow in maturity by disciplining yourself to pursue Jesus with all you have. Look at verse 14. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. If anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that to him. Only let God hold true to what we have. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul is pressing on. Now, nobody shows up to a marathon without doing any training and expects not to die, Right? You do hardcore training if you're going to be involved in a race. You shouldn't be surprised that you are not having victory over sin if you're not disciplining yourself to make godly choices and training yourself to do so. Up until three years ago, I never ran except for like the couch to the fridge, right? That was about it. 
But three years ago, I started to take up running. And I trained and worked hard to run the Dam to Dam down in Des Moines, which is about a half marathon. And I know many of you have done that. I'm not saying this to like say, wow, look at me. I'm just telling you this is a, what Paul is talking about here. And I trained after never running before, and in the last mile of that training, it was very painful. Check out this picture here. This is where I felt like my body was just falling apart. I was doing a lot of praying. That's why my eyes are closed right here. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. As you look at my chest there, you can see I had a little bit of chafing going on that I wasn't aware of. I was in pain. Here's the next picture of that. Yeah, it bled through the shirt there a little bit. And it was a very uh, hard, painful time. We don't need to look at that anymore. All right, there you go. You can ask me about that later. I'd love to go into detail about it because it's a hilarious story, but I won't do that here. But the pain, the difficulty of struggling, of working, and crossing the finish line, and when we're in that last moment, and oftentimes when things are painful, we say, I give up. I'm done. I'm not going to work hard anymore. This isn't worth it. I can't stop. But Paul says that in that moment, in the power of God and in the strength of the Holy Spirit, I keep pressing forward because it's worth it. Let me tell you a quote here. I was listening to a guy the other day, and he said this. Choose your pain. Choose your pain. Choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. What's he mean by that? Oh, it's gonna hurt to be disciplined, but there is a reward if you give yourself to that discipline. And there's going to be in pain involved if you don't discipline yourself and you'll regret not doing so. And here's what's so awesome about if you can train yourself for godliness. Paul tells Timothy that. He says, train yourself for godliness. If you can do that, let me tell you what. You will get to a place where you actually enjoy it. And you see the value of pursuing Christ. And you experience joy in your life that you've never experienced before. And after that, I kept on running. And I got into a place where I actually began to enjoy the race. And I ran it the following year, and I took second place. Look at this. Yeah, that's me right there in the red shirt. I was, actually, that wasn't second place. I was like number 9,000, but photo makes it look like I was in second place. But uh, that is just, you get to a place where you actually begin to enjoy the race. And I was too cheap to buy the photo. That's why that big watermark was over top of it right there, okay? But uh, still, you can, I was like, hey, I don't need to buy that. Look, you can see me perfectly right there. But you, I, you actually can get, listen to this, listen. If you discipline yourself to growing in Christ like the Apostle Paul, you can move from discipline to delight. The writer of Hebrews says, all discipline hurts. It's not enjoyable, but the fruit that comes about of it is where the joy comes from. Oh man, listen students, if you were to just give your life to Christ and pursue him with all that you have, you can do that now. Oh, the joy that you'll experience that it supersedes. Your life might not even get better. In fact, your, your, the circumstances of your life might get worse. But you'll have a peace and a joy that surpasses your circumstances and understanding as you grow in your relationship with Christ. So if you've just kind of been hanging out, doing this, going to youth group, 
going back again and not really discipline yourself in between, but discipline yourself for sports and grades and everything else. Do the same thing you would in your relationship with Christ and see what happens. And Paul says that's the second way that you grow into maturity. So read your Bible. And as you read your Bible, you'll begin to say no to sin. And you'll begin to see Christ in a way that you've never seen him before. And he'll begin to change your life. It's worth it, pursuing Christ. But don't do it alone. Paul says that. Look at the next verses, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Did you see that? Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example, example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Number three, choosing godly relationships is how you grow into maturity. By choosing godly relationships. Paul calls them to model themselves after the way that he is living And then stay close to those who are living the same way that Paul is. Find those people who want to grow in Christ and attach yourselves to their lives. Choose those kind of people. Those are the people that you are supposed to be running the race with. That next photo is a picture of me and Grant. Grant and I would meet every Saturday morning with a group of other guys and we would run in downtown Des Moines there out to Waterworks Park and make our way up to 12 miles every Saturday for several weeks and we'd run in between. You're not made to live the Christian life alone. And so often we talk about do your own quiet time, which is important. Do your own stuff and grow on your relationship with God. But the Bible is all about growing your relationship in community. That's why the church exists. You're supposed to be in community so you can share with each other and encourage one another and stick to people who are stronger than you that are going to help you. And it's, it's a blast when you do that, when you're living with people who have the same goal that you do. Listen, the people in your life, the people in your life ultimately shape who you're going to become and who you're becoming. One of my favorite verses when it comes to friendship is Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of the fools will suffer harm. Do you see that? Look at it. Look at it up there on the screen. Digest that for a second. It's so simple and so true, isn't it? If you want to be wise, you'll hang out with wise people. They're going to rub off on you. If you hang out with stupid, foolish people, what's going to happen to you? You're going to become exactly the same. You know what, if you're really serious and you're thinking, it's time for me to get serious in my relationship with Christ, the first place that will show that you're serious is with your friends. I'm telling you, anyone that I've, I've been in student ministry for a long time, and I see so many guys and girls that have shipwrecked their faith and it began with the people they were hanging out with. So if you're gonna be serious about your saying, I'm gonna give myself to this, it will begin By dumping those friends, dumping a guy that is not helping you grow in Christ, dumping a girl that's not helping you grow in Christ, and to say, this is going to hurt for a time, but I want to do it because I want to grow up in Christ, and I want to be with people who have the same goal as me, and to help me achieve that goal by surrounding myself with friends, peers, but also youth leaders. 
I mean, that, that a youth leader would come to this weekend. I mean, think about this, okay? I mean, you know old people like myself. They need sleep, right? They're cranky. They, stay, they wake up early and they go to bed early, right? That's what they do. And that's, they're doing the opposite this weekend, all right? Why? Because they love you. They care for you. Cling to those types of people that want to see you grow up in Christ. Leaders that say, I know I'm not perfect, but I want to point you to the one who is, and I want you to model your life after me. Do it. I have a lot of unsaved friends. That's one of the reasons that I work at the airport. I have a lot of unsaved friends, but my closest friends that speak into my life have the same goal as be their other Christians. And everywhere I go, I know, and I've just changed into a new ministry a year and a little bit ago, is establishing new friends that have the same goal as me, that I can meet with, that can keep me accountable, and help me grow in Christ. So look at your life. Do those friends that are around you, the people who speak into your life the most, are they doing that? Do they have a goal of growing in Jesus? So here's some things to think about when you think about maturity, all right? You can write some of these down. I think they'll be helpful to you. You need to understand that maturity takes time. Maturity takes time. So don't be discouraged when you go home from here and automatically tomorrow you're not where you want to be in your relationship with Christ, okay? Maturity takes time. And what's interesting about growing up in Christ is that the more you grow in Christ, God is going to show you just how sinful you really are. That's just a reality. You'll realize more and more how much you actually are struggling with. But don't be discouraged in that time because know that maturity takes time if you're committed to it. I was meeting with a student that I was discipling one time, and he was enslaved to things that he was looking at on his phone. And he really wanted help. We started meeting together. And he started to memorize scripture. He started to take steps of accountability he let his parents know about it. And he started to have real victory in his relationship with Christ and not giving in to this youthful lust. And we were doing that together. And he comes into my office one day and we were meeting. And he plops down in the chair and he, you could just tell he had given in that week. His whole demeanor had changed. And we talked about it. And I said to him, Grant, six months ago, how often were you looking at stuff on your phone? He said, every day, multiple times a day. How many times did you look at it in the last two weeks? He said, once. I said, it sounds like you're growing in Christ. And he looked at me and he's like, you're right. I'm growing in Jesus, aren't I? I'm not perfect, but God is giving me victory. And so he repented of that moment. And he forgets the past and was straining forward to what lies ahead. So you need to know that when you commit to this, it's going to take time. You don't get a six-pack overnight, six-pack abs, right? Nobody accidentally wakes up with a six-pack in the morning like, oh, man, look at that. How convenient, right? I'm still waiting on that if it's supposed to happen, okay? Maturity in the same way takes discipline and hard work, and it takes time. Secondly, don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself instead to Jesus because when you compare yourself to Jesus, you lose every time and then you realize he's on your team and he's your savior and you can run to him all the time. But listen, there's always gonna be someone better than you. 
I was hiking in Arizona a few weeks ago, and I was climbing a mountain there, Camelback. And as I was climbing that, there was like this guy that was running past me and was amazing. And then as before I even got to the top, he ran back down. And then there was this other guy when I got to the top, and I'm like straining to get up there. And he's up there sitting there playing guitar. I'm like, are you serious, man? Right? And then as I'm walking back down, you know what I realized? This guy's barefoot. I'm up there just dying, right? And I started to think, man, you are a loser. You didn't carry a guitar. You didn't go barefoot and totally miss out on what I had actually accomplished. Don't compare yourself because there's always someone better than you. Don't compare it to others because there's always someone that's doing worse than you. And it's easy to have a false sense of godliness in that moment. Right? Because you're not comparing yourself with what the scriptures say. You're not comparing yourself to Jesus. You're looking at the guy or the girl that's just doing worse than you and thinking, oh, I'm doing well. Don't do that. Compare yourself to Jesus because when you compare yourself to Jesus, you lose every time. And then you realize he's your captain and he's on your team. And he's the one that's giving you the victory and you have his righteousness. So that's where you compare yourself to. Thirdly, you need to know that uh, maturity doesn't mean you get to a place where you don't sin anymore. I mean, that's been evident throughout this whole text. Maturity, I, mean, I used to think that spiritual maturity is to a place where I don't struggle with anything anymore. But maturity is not to a place where you don't struggle with anything anymore. But maturity is saying, I know where I struggle and I'm going to identify where my weaknesses are so that I can grow in Christ. Does that make sense? It's not saying, I'm not going to be a place where I don't struggle anymore, but knowing where I do struggle and then saying, I need help in that area and I want to grow and progress in that area, so I'm going to get help. For me, I know that my struggle has always been the same. It's been a struggle that's been all, ever since I was a, a teenage guy. And it continues. It's lust. That's what I always struggle with. But I know that, that is, God has given me long-term, sustained victory over that. But I know that at any point I could go back into it in a weak moment. So what do I do? I'm thinking mature. And I say to my wife, I want you to make my phone like a child's phone. So that when I'm by myself and I'm tempted, I can't even access the internet on it. I, wanna, I put up barriers. I put up things where I'm saying I'm traveling alone. Pray for me. Keep me accountable to other guys. Because I know where I'm weak Immaturity is saying, I'm setting up and helping so that I can have victory in those areas where I am weak. So you're not sinless in maturity, but you're sinning less because you're able to identify your weaknesses and help others achieve those goals that you want to achieve in your life. Remember why? Why do all this? Verse 12, just as by way of reminder, it is good to remind yourself of these things because Christ has made you his own. That's why. Christ has made you his own. I am his and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. That's why it's worth it. That's why I pursue these things. So listen, live in the present is there something that you're holding on to right now that is making you ineffective in the, in the present right now because you're only thinking about your past? Is it a sin, yes, that you need to repent of, that you need to tell someone about so that you can move forward, but stop holding on to that. Give it over to God and live in the present. Listen, and secondly, pursue Christ with all that you have. 
Say, this year, I'm going to give all that I have to pursue Jesus. I'm going to choose the pain of discipline and not the pain of regret. I'm going to pursue Christ with everything that I have. And I'm going to bring other people along with me to do that who have the same goals. Listen, some of you in your mind right now know there's someone that you've got to drop to still love and be encouraging to, but they're having a voice in your life that is hindering your relationship with Jesus. You need to replace that friendship with someone that has the same goal as you do. It's possible for you right now to grow in maturity. When you understand that God is not finished with you, that you're still a work in progress, And he's given you the Holy Spirit of God, if you know him, to grow in him together. Let's do this. Let's do it. Father in heaven, God, I think about the past. And I know what a screw-up I am. And I know that in the future, I will continue to struggle and I will continue to fail. But I'm going to keep pressing on because I look to a past event where my sin was taken care of. I look back to your finished work on the cross, to your resurrection. And I say that all my sin has been paid for, then I can accept that through faith. God, I pray for the one in this room that has never done that, that has never looked back and said, there was a Savior who came and lived on this earth and died in my place and rose again. If that's you, would you trust him? Would you place your faith in Jesus? Believer, would you let go of the past, the things that are hindering your present Believer, would you surround yourself with godly people that are going to help you grow in your relationship with Christ? God, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. Where I fall short, Christ never did. And that news continues until one day when I stand before you. And I will not be already not yet. I will just be yet. As I stand before my Savior and say it was all worth it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.